Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. We've got a great show coming your way today. The Success 101 Podcast is rocking it here in 2018. 30-day average of 138 countries it's being downloaded in, thousands of downloads, and I have all of you guys to thank for it. I do not take that for granted. You guys could be doing 100,000 other things, and you're here tuning in. And so I feel that. I feel that love. I feel that connection. I feel that responsibility to push a peak performance message out to my listeners and keep bringing them the goods that you guys deserve for tuning in. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to connect directly with me, please shoot my team an email to info at success101podcast.com, or you can catch me in the world of social media. On Facebook, on the Facebook Success 101 Podcast community page, on Instagram, under the name at success101podcast, or on Twitter under the name at Warren Jared. And as you guys know, this show is free. All I ask you guys to do is subscribe so that you stay up to date with the latest peak performance messages that are coming out and also give it a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts. That's what let Apple Podcasts know where to rank this show on certain features lists, on certain rankings. That way people can find the message a lot faster. If you do that going forward, I'm going to be giving out free coaching consultations with me along with my book. So head over to my website, success101podcast.com. On the homepage, you'll see a big red button that says subscribe to the podcast. We've made it easy. You can't miss it. Five-star ratings and reviews will start getting coaching consultations with me as well as my book, and I can't wait to meet more of you guys out there. This show is brought to you today by Blue Apron, farm fresh, seasonal produce, meat that has no added hormones, grass-fed beef. That's what you guys need to be eating. That's what our bodies were designed to eat, not a bunch of crap that we're eating out there these days. These meals start out at $7.49 per serving, depending on what package you choose. There's a two-person plan. There's a family plan. There's a wine list over there to get six bottles of your favorite wines. And their culinary staff picks what's going to be coming out based on the season based on what they choose. This week, they've got some awesome items over there. Smoky beef burgers with spicy mayo and lime slaw. They've got honey chipotle glazed chicken with poblano and lime rice. They've got coconut and vadavan salmon with cabbage and sweet pepper stir fry. And the list goes on and on. It's always changing. It's always fresh. It's incredibly fun. You guys know I'd love to get a great glass of wine. Order this near the weekend so that we can have fun with it on the weekends. Invite people over. Blue Apron really takes the guesswork out of all of this. So there are two options over on the website, success101podcast.com forward slash Blue Apron. And all of that food that I just mentioned, plus so much more, is out this week on their menu. So go check it out. Chrissy Teigen even has her own menu over there. I didn't know she cooked, but she's got some Chipotle lime chicken fajitas that are amazing. Again, head to success101podcast.com forward slash Blue Apron. Click on either one of the boxes we have over there and you'll be set up with Blue Apron and you'll be glad you did. Thank me later. Guys, if you haven't checked out my coaching programs at success101podcast.com forward slash coaching, go check those out. I've got four different modules to choose from. There's the transformational life change module. That is an in-depth 12-month process one-on-one with me where we are literally going to peel back the layers of your life and what's going on. My participants who have gone through that have had so much life change and revelation around where they are trying to get to for their peak performance. If you're not looking for that deep of a dive, I've got a few package sessions, eight individual and six individual sessions, as well as a monthly ongoing session. Again, just head to success101podcast.com forward slash coaching, choose the package that's right for you. And I cannot wait to meet some of you who are going to come into this program that was two years in the making and see the life change that has come from it. 
Now, on to our show today with my friend Dave Sanderson. Dave is an inspirational survivor, speaker, and author. His thoughts on leadership have made him an internationally sought-out speaker. You guys probably remember a few years ago when U.S. Airways Flight 1549, later known as the Miracle on the Hudson, went down, ditched it right there in the Hudson River. Dave Sanderson knew he was exactly where he was supposed to be. You'll hear that in the story today. He was the last passenger off the back of the plane on that day and was largely responsible for the well-being and safety of others, risking his own life in frigid water to help other passengers off the plane. We scratched the surface on his story today, but I really want you guys to go get his book, Moments Matter, and read about how that experience profoundly changed his life. So I'm so glad to have him here on the show today. Here's my conversation with Dave Sanderson. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Small win, small win, small win. Keep your momentum going. The Success 101 Podcast. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. And each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. So tell me about this flight. First of all, I can't believe how much time has passed since you guys were on that flight. Well, thank you, Jared. It's nothing extraordinary about that day. It was 11 degrees and snowing, so it was typical New York winter. And I was one of the first people to passengers to board the plane because of my status with U.S. Airways. At that point, I was a chairman. I was a top tier, so I went back to my seat, seat 15A. And nothing out of the ordinary, but one of the things, as usual, I did not pay attention to the flight attendants. And I tell people now that's one of the biggest uh, things I now have learned out of this is you better pay attention because you never know when that when that moment may happen. But it was about 60 seconds after we took off is when I heard an explosion. And I looked up, I looked out the window, I saw fire coming out from me to the left wing. So at that point, I knew something had happened, but I flew so often a plane lost an engine. It didn't startle me because I flew so often. Planes have multiple engines, no big deal. He's just going to go back to the airport and get another plane. But uh, I think that was- You fly often, but it's not often that a plane engine goes out. So I'm surprised you were that calm. Part of that is no one else in the plane freaked out. I mean, I think everybody sort of realized that they were still pretty close to the airport. We have one engine left. We'll go back. No big deal. But I tell people, I think that was part of the saving grace because no one no one really got out of source because as we know now, what happened on the left side of the plane, we're off the seat 15A, also up on the right side of the plane, and it happened simultaneously. And I really, truly believe if anybody sort of cross-reference or checked in. It could have been a lot of panic, but no one did because they thought, well, we have have another engine. But uh, you know, 60 seconds after after we took off is when when all that happened. So it wasn't until uh, we crossed, started crossing over the George Washington Bridge where I think everybody started realizing the, the gravity of what happens when the captain said his famous words, this is your captain, brace for impact. And I think that was a moment, at least I know, that I, uh, I realized this is pretty serious because I never heard that command on a plane. And it was uh, got my attention. So you know, at that moment, I just sort of prayed. To, so I prayed for three things, Jared. Number one, just get me down in one piece. Whoever that dude is up front, man, just get me down in one piece. Second thing I prayed is the last person I spoke with, who was my client up in Brooklyn. I was there for a business trip, a three-day business trip. It ended in Brooklyn that day. And uh, I prayed that he would call my wife to I loved her. And the third thing is I prayed to God to forgive my sins because, candidly, it didn't look real like it was going to end out very well for us. From what I remember hearing uh, on this story is that it was pretty much quiet on that flight because both engines were completely out. Is that correct? It was like stone quiet. I mean, you could hear a pin drop. And 
you know, once again, I think that was part of the reason. I mean, you couldn't hear the engines, but also no one was losing it. I think everybody was sort of resigned that this probably may not end up well. And sort of, they were sort of checking in to see what they had to do, like I was. It's like, you know, this thing doesn't end well, uh, then I'm going to probably be in a different place by the, you know, a few minutes from now. So I think everybody sort of was in their own Zen zone at that point. No one was yelling. No one was screaming. No one was out of sorts. And it was about 60 seconds after we crossed over the George Washington Bridge when we crashed into the river. It, it was a hard hit. And, you know, the way he hit it, of course, was perfectly. If you saw the movie, uh, it was very well represented. Yeah. It, uh, and it hit the backside first, then hit the front side, then it sort of shifted. And I was towards the back of the plane. So it was a pretty hard hit in the back of the plane. And, you know, my eyes were closed and I'm like, okay, this, <laughs> wherever we're going to go, we're going to go. And I, as soon as I looked up, I looked out the window and I saw light coming through the window. I, I knew I had a shot. I was alive, but I wasn't out because water started coming into place so quickly. So let's take a step back here. I mean, first of all, you said everybody was being calm. And I'm just trying to put myself in that situation where the, cl- the pilot says, brace for impact. I mean, obviously, that's a situation you never want to be in. And I know you can see very limited things on a plane. You know, you only have that little window right there beside right. you. Could you tell how low you guys were to the ground after you went over the George Washington Bridge? Yeah, I knew we were, we were pretty close because the bridge is roughly 600 feet up. And we cleared the bridge, I found out later, by approximately 400, three to 400 feet. So we were about 1,000 feet at that point in time. And in an airplane, as you probably have flown like I've flown, it's not, that's not that high up. No, not at so, all. So uh, I knew that we, and we, we were, desc- and we were descending. So we were you know, going nose down towards, you know, he, he did a t- tremendous skillful job getting that thing over the bridge. But then of course, he uh, sort of had to get, start getting it down. So that's when uh, I knew we were pretty close to water. So you finally hit the water. I mean, this has got to be like something out of a movie that you hear about this stuff happen every now and then, but now, now you're in it. So the water starts coming in. I mean, what's, what's the first thing you're thinking at this point? Well, my first thought was I survived and my game plan to get to the aisle, get up and get out. But that's when, Jared, things started to change for me because when, you know, I looked up and I tell people, this is one of the great lessons I've learned. And one of the things I share with people is I also looked up and saw people climbing over the seats to get out the doors. That's how a lot of people got out on the wing so quickly. And I tell that part of my story is I tell that it's like, that's amazing. But what it really taught me is when you only think you have one pathway out to get something accomplished in life, all of a sudden, if you're resourceful, multiple pathways open up if you're resourceful. <laughs> or if you panic enough, I guess. You know, I, I, I probably wasn't in my most resourceful state, but some people were. And I tell people, that's a great, great metaphor for life. When you're resourceful, things open up for you in your life. Uh, but I got to the aisle and Kaylee, my game plan was the same. But what happened to me, Jared, when I got to the aisle changed not only that day, but probably changed where I was probably going to end up ultimately in my life is my mother uh, started talking to me in my head. I could hear her in my head talking to me. And she was saying something that she had told me when I was a child years previously. And what I heard in my head from my mother was, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And see, my mother had passed away in 1997. But I heard that in my head, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. I tell people one of the great things that I learned about my mother later on after this was my mother never told me what to do. She'd always give me an option, which is a great thing. I think she did for all me and brought my brother and sister. I think that's something parents today don't do enough of. And I'm, I've been guilty of this. I don't give my children enough latitude to make a decision, whether it's good or bad, and live with the consequence. And that's what my mom did. She always made us made a decision. And candidly, whatever decision I made was the decision I made. Because I grew up in a small town and playing sports and athletics and Boy Scouts. And I was always around a group of guys. And the group of guys I hung with always had each other's backs. We never let anybody go. I mean, it's like, you never let anybody go, right? You always took care of people. 
So I went towards the back of the plane, I climbed towards the seats on the seats towards the back of the plane, got behind everybody, made sure everybody, I sort of, I didn't see anybody else. And then I started making my way like everybody else. And in the back of the plane, Jared, the water was about waist deep at that point. So it was coming in pretty strong oh, wow. at that point. It was 36 degree water, but you didn't feel the temperature. You felt the water, but you didn't feel the temperature. And as I was making my way out, the first light that I could see was on the right side. And it was the uh, extra door on the right side, and it turned out to be 10F. And I started making my way out just like everybody else. My game plan at that point just follow everybody else. But when I got there, it was an amazing sight because you know there was no room on the wing for me at that point. There's no room on the boat for me. But it was an amazing sight. People were already being rescued. And I tell people, I think that's part of this miracle it doesn't get talked about a lot because people in New York and New Jersey get a bad rap because those first responders were there in just a couple minutes. Those ferry boats, the New York waterways, which they should get a ton of the credit, a ton of the heroes came from that that side of the equation because they were there about two minutes starting rescuing people. And so that's why I was inside the plane waist deep in 36 degree water for about six or seven minutes. And I was holding on to the lifeboat on the right side. And the people said, well, why were you doing that? They asked me all the time. I was like, well, if you saw, if you watch this thing play out, and if you know anything about New York and that area, the Hudson River has a very fast current. And that plane was floating down the river. And like everybody usually on a plane, and I was the same way. I, I mean, it's like everybody else. I didn't pay attention. I didn't read the instructions. I didn't know that lifeboat was tethered to the plane either, like they did. So that little lifeboat was floating out into the river and they, they just kept yelling at me to hold on, hold on. And all of a sudden I find there's a picture that was taken during the uh, the rescue of me holding on to the lifeboat waist deep in 36 degree water. Holy cow, man, what an awesome story. I want to replay a quick clip here of what was actually going on with the flight recorders and inside of the cockpit that day. The Cactus 1539 hit first to lost thrust on both engines returning back towards LaGuardia. Okay, uh, you need to return to Logwadi. Turn left heading up uh, 220. 220. Tyre, stop your departure. He's got emergency returning. That's okay, it. 1529. He, he uh, bird strike. He lost all engine. He lost the thrust in the engines. He's returning immediately. Cactus 1529. Which engines? He lost thrust in both engines, he said. Got it. Cactus 1529. We can get it for you. Do you want to try to land 1913? We're unable. We may end up in the Hudson. Okay, what do you need to land? What's over to our right? Anything in New Jersey? Maybe Teterboro? Okay, yeah, off your right side is Teterboro Airport. Do you want to try to go to Teterboro? Yes. Teterboro, uh, Cactus 1529 over the George Washington Bridge wants to go to the airport right now. Wants to go to our airport, Jack. Does he need assistance? Uh, yes, he, uh, it was a bird strike. Can I get him in for uh, runway one? Runway one, that's good. Cactus 1529, turn right 280. You can land runway one at Teterboro. We can't do it. Okay, which runway would you like at Teterboro? We're going to be in the Hudson. I'm sorry, say again, Cactus. Cactus 1549, radar contact is lost. You also got Newark Airport up at 2 o'clock in about 7 miles. 210-4718. I think the incredible thing about that is just how calm he was flying that thing, knowing that so many lives were in his hands and which obviously dictated back to you guys just through those actions that kept you calm. Every time I hear that, I just think that's such a phenomenal recording. Everything, the, like he said, I, I agree with him. Everything he did led up to that moment in his life. He had the preparation just as J Captain Skiles did. And candidly, I think that uh, he is. That he went into that mode and he went into lockdown mode. And 
and the, his, the calmness of his voice when he said that uh, his, this is your captain brace for impact as he was clearing the bridge, which you heard pretty much uh, right there while he was going through that. He was in that mode likewise, and he only said what he had to say. That's what I've heard him say before. And he didn't want to embellish it. He didn't want to wor- you know, worry people, but he wanted to prepare people for what was going to happen at that moment in time. And that helped a lot on side the plane because I think if he and people say, if he, was he telling you what was going on? I say, no, he didn't have a number one. He didn't have time. I'm glad he didn't. He needed to focus on what he needed to do. And, you know, and I tell people, let him focus on what he needed to do. I'll focus on what I need to do. Right. And, uh, and for, fortunately for us, both uh, he and Captain Scouts did a tremendous job of focusing and getting that thing down in one piece. Oh, absolutely. I was up there a few weeks ago, I guess, actually back in the first part of March now, and I took a helicopter tour, you know, over the Hudson and they're kind of pointing out like, hey, here's where they laid the plane down a few years ago in the Hudson and tell us all about it. But three days after I did that, that's when the other helicopter uh, sat right. down in in the, or I guess it was on the other river that it sat down and, you know, pretty much everybody but the pilot had had died. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But fortunately, you guys all survived and you were mentioning you, you held on to the lifeboat there. Take us through just how that transformed your life, how it led to your book, and really what your dedication in your life is now with helping other people with, I guess, primarily around mindset, even though so much more of what you do is is more than that. Well, I appreciate it. I think, and I, I tell people, and part of my story is that uh, fortunately for me, I had 10 years of experience and five of that being the head of security for a gentleman named Tony Robbins. And I I had a chance to not only be with him, but learn and absorbed everything that he taught in addition to all the people he was with. And I think that came into play that day. Uh, and I tell you, that's one of the reasons I named that book Moments Matter, because what I started realizing, Jared, after all these going back through this minute by minute, which I did with my former assistant, uh, Vicki, and I sat down for nine hours going minute by minute through that day. And you know, I realized there were a lot of moments in my life that uh, I candidly didn't think were important. I just sort of slid through them and went by. They were there for a reason. And I start pointing out in my book and I start pointing out in my when I speak how these moments all of a sudden when you're 12 years old and you're jumping in a river to swim across in Boy Scouts to get to the other side so you could earn an award, all of a sudden maybe that gave me the certainty for that day to jump in the water when I was hanging out of the plane because I felt the plane was going down to swim to the closest boat that I could find. So I think that uh, I think everybody had those kinds of experiences, but I think for me personally, I think all these moments that I, I had in my life, whether it was in Boy Scouts growing up, uh, what I learned, being around Tony, being around the other people that I've been around who taught me great distinctions, that came to play that day in a lot of different ways, whether it was persistence, whether it was awareness, whether it was faith, uh, whether it was uh, just focus, whether it's being able to help somebody else who was in a maybe in not so empowering state and help them get their mindset focused on this, this, this focus on this, not focus on some things that may not be as important or just they're not aware and you got to get them aware because of their they're not aware things could happen very quickly. So all these skill sets and all these things that I learned changed my mindset or developed my mind. I should say developed my mindset and evolved my mindset where I could help people and be in a leadership position to get things done and uh, probably one of the most uh, perilous times of some some people's lives. I love the way you put that. It's the moments of our lives. And you yeah. hear that from older people, much older than us. They get out to the end of their life or they li- they've lived a long life and they talk more about the moments of life and how those add up. And many times people say, I wish I'd, I wish I'd noticed those moments more than just looking to the next thing. I hear that a lot. People think of life as here's where we're always going and we're going this place and we're going to get to this place, always looking ahead. And while that's good, and I think that helps us create a vision for where we might want to go, 
don't miss the moments along the way. But even more importantly, what you're saying is don't miss the reasons that you've done the things up to that point to be in those moments. I think that's pretty, that's an awesome way of looking at life. You've talked about resourcefulness already in this talk. Right. You're talking about people climbing over the seats. I don't know if I'd look at that. Maybe sometimes resourcefulness, but maybe more just uh, panic mode, how that plays mm -hmm. hand in hand, but then also just your state. You mentioned your book, Moments Matter. I know you mentor toward managing your state in three ways. You've got 12 pillars of resourcefulness that you talk about. Who do you primarily mentor these days? What, what's your typical person that you're working with? And then how do you work within those areas of mindset, whether it's your state, whether it's resourcefulness, to really help people understand what you've learned through this experience and others? Well, thank you, because I really have, I think, two to three distinctive groups. Number one, I, I work with people who've gone through a traumatic life experience, whether it's a fire, a flood. Um, you know, so I've, I've been talking and working with somebody or mentoring somebody who survived the, uh, the avalanche over in Nepal several years ago. She lost everybody who was around her. She was one of the few people who survived. Number one, I get to talk and work with people like that, whether they're in the military, law enforcement, gone through a traumatic life experience. But the second group of people is a lot of entrepreneurs who really, you know, they go into it, they are fired up, and all of a sudden they face challenges. And they need to develop the mindset of resiliency and how to bounce back and focus. And I get to use these things that I've learned from Tony and Zig Ziglar and you know, Tom Hopkins and what I've done and basically taking Jim Rohn, implement all these things in my life because I was a top sales producer for 31 years. I use a lot of those skills to help me become a top sales producer so I can help people who are either beginning a business or want to transition into a business because I just did it a few years ago. I went from being in a corporate world, Jared, for 31 years to basically starting my own business. And my wife thought I was crazy. You know, and it's rough because it's, you know, one of the things I tell people is that nobody in life gets through their without unscathed. Something's going to happen. And I just talked to somebody last week who I met years ago when I was going to the Big Island of Hawaii. I was going there on business and primarily with uh, Mr. Robbins and supporting him and you know, being his director of security. But I became very good friends with somebody from the Big Island and he just lost his house in the volcano. Who ever think they're going to lose their house in a volcano? Right. So I got a chance to interact with him and sort of. I would say coach him, but sort of give him some perspectives. Like, listen, yeah, it's a setback. Yeah, things are going to happen, but it's all the way you're going to respond to this. And you've got to step up and be a leader and give certainty to people. Because one thing that I've learned through all this, and you're a leader in your business, and I try to be a leader, is you know, those with the most certainty in uncertain times become a leader. And it doesn't matter what position you are. You could be the CEO of the company. You could be the janitor. But if you exude certainty in those certain times, all of a sudden people look to you and will follow you and will, and will do what you need to do. And that's what I try to teach people, give, give certainty to people in uncertain times. I've got to ask a question, though. You keep throwing out this whole security detail with Tony Robbins. I mean, I'm just kind of letting that fly under the radar for a little bit and not say anything about it. How in the world did you get into that position? Was that before or after the flight? I'm assuming it was before, based on what you it said. It was before. I was had the honor and privilege. I, 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 hey, Jared, I did it like everybody else. I signed up to go to one of his seminars. My wife thought I was crazy to go jump up and down for four days and all this. But I came back that year and lost 25 pounds, and then one sales producer at a company of 2,000 salespeople. I helped somebody in his family through a situation, and he got certainty in me. And I, he saw how I interacted with people and worked with people and were able to lead people in helping him in his mission. So, you know, for the first five years, I was just on his team. And then he, I, he elevated me to assistant career director. And then about five years out of those 11 years that uh, I was honored to be 
head of security and not only responsible for him, but also responsible for the team and responsible for making sure he could do what he needed to do on stage. So he, you know, after the, after here's part of the story that doesn't get told a lot, but that night after the plane crash, I was in the hospital. I had hypothermia and he was the only one that called me that night in the hospital. He and I talked for maybe 10, 15 minutes and he did a very nice little YouTube video about our conversation. But, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he coached me through what to expect, how to respond, what I needed to do, how to focus, you know, and sort of giving me that mindset, you know, what I needed to maintain because a lot of things were going to come hit, hit me, whether it was media requests, whether it's going back to work, whether it's, you know, um, being able to uh, go through and sort of process this in my brain. So it was a great, he's a great friend and great mentor. And I am really honored that to have had that, had the opportunity to be around him for so long. Talk to me a little bit about mindset. We've talked about crisis and panic and helping people step up in certain situations. I'm just curious, what do you think today's leaders are lacking when it comes to that, you know, resourcefulness stage or the the three states of your mindset and things like that, that just really help people push through? I mean, so much today, as I mentioned earlier, is the victim mentality or what can I get out of this instead of helping others? What would you encourage our leaders these days and mentor them toward when it comes to the mindset idea of how to thrive, how to really turn a bad situation into good? What's the most you've learned from that that you've grown in? Well, I think great things I learned by, and I had the opportunity to learn this from General Norman Schwarzkopf when I was around him, is you know, great leaders basically focus on the mission, let people, their troops execute, but give, make sure that they always understand what the mission is. It may not be your mission, but the bigger mission that we're all fighting for, he gave me how he did that in the war in the war in Iraq. So it was a great lesson on how to set the mission, give people direction, but let them execute and check your ego at the door. Number one. Number two is coming from an attitude of gratitude because candidly, a lot of people have a lot of hubris and think that uh, you know they're a leader, they're a leader, they're supposed to do this. You know, they they get this title and they they don't understand it's it's about other people. So I think number number two is that you got to come out every day from gratitude. You you should be grateful for what you have, what you have, and tell people and give them the support and feedback that they need to have to be able. So their mindset is coming out of gratitude. And I think the biggest thing that the third is the thing, the thing I learned out of this is, and the biggest change that I made was in my worldview of my life. And people say, "Well, what does that mean?" And I tell people, I'm not very proud of this after I started realizing this, but I was a pretty judgmental person. I, you know, I'd size you up pretty quick. Part of my security stuff doing with Tony was, you, know, you sort of got to evaluate quickly so you can make a judgment. But I was judging people really quickly. And all of a sudden I had a situation that happened and I realized everybody was judging this guy. And I was too, but all of a sudden I realized that this guy was going through a divorce. He was losing his job. And no wonder he was acting the way he was acting. I said, you know, how many times in my life have I started judging people so quickly that I don't even give them a chance? And how many relationships have I stopped? How many opportunities in my career have I I've stopped because I judge so quickly? So as soon as I made that one distinction, Jared, is, you know what? what if I don't know the backstory of where this, these people or this person's coming from, I have no basis to judge. And once I took that attitude, everything started opening up in my life. Relationships opened up. Careers opened up. And all of a sudden, you know, that's why we're here. I'm here with you today. You and I would never have been together if I had that closed mindset like I used to have before and that judgmental mindset. And because that's how relationships open up and that's how relationships grow. And that's why you get you get certainty with people and, and trust with people is you don't judge them. And the people that I work with, I think one thing I believe is that they're, they're so short term focused and the things are moving so quickly in this world, whether it's in social media and everything else. And I mean, you get news immediately right now. Some people all of a sudden, you know, and it's so unfortunately politically divided. 
So I think people are so scared to say anything because they will be judged immediately and potentially they can lose their position. Some of the leaders I've talked to, I mean, they, they said that they just, they don't even talk anymore to the media. They don't want, sometimes they have, you know, want to even talk to their employees because if they say the wrong thing, they could be, be subjected to a lawsuit and or something happened. Leaders right now, people who are, are, are stunning their growth because they look so present instead of looking at the long term and looking once again, not focusing on how they can serve other people. And, you know, like Tony taught me and he teaches everybody is one of the six human needs we all have is the need for personal significance. But part of that challenge is once it's all about your personal significance, you, you, you're not able to connect with people because it's all about you all the time. And a lot of people I'm dealing with now think about only about what's good for them, whether it's the bottom line, whether it's what can they get out of this relationship instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to check my personal significance at the door and focus on what I can do for you first. And then, you know, if everything comes back, that's great. But if it doesn't, I've, I've added value to your day to day. And so I think that's one of the things I've been noticing with a lot of people right now who are either in management or leadership positions. Yeah, I think it's about those moments, like you said, preparing yourself for those moments to be in the position to do the right things. And sometimes doing the right thing is not the thing that whether we're younger in life or inexperienced or whatever we thought it would be. Sometimes it's just getting out of our own way and helping others right. get to where they want to be. Dave, what do you think the future holds for you? I know the the plane story is obviously what turned everything around for you, but what are you really hoping to grow and excel toward as this uh, mission of yours and this newfound life really starts to to spread wings here? What I really love and to talk about now is and what I did my TED talk on is post-traumatic growth syndrome. And, and one of the other areas is about cultivating the personal leadership skills you need, because unless you can lead yourself, you can't lead anybody else. So those are the two areas I really talk more about now and mentor about. I have a new course coming out called Cultivating Personal Leadership. It's rolling out next week. And I work with a group in Atlanta called Leadership Mindset Series with people like Dominique Wilkins and Don Barden and Steve Denovic, who is a chief innovation officer at Chick-fil-A. I get to work with these people, and we're, and we're working with people about, about servant leadership skills, you know, skills and, and mindset. And, you know, working with a Hall of Fame athlete and somebody who's a chief innovation officer, one of the coolest companies out there, is somebody who really focuses, built so many companies, and now is working with the Army Rangers to help them with their mindset. And here I come from an attitude of, this is how you bring it all together from all these different skill sets we're all talking about. So it's, those are the kinds of things I'm really, really enjoying to be able to do that because I can impact people's lives quickly. They think it's PTSD, but it's really the opposite. A PTSD. It's how do you grow from these traumatic life experiences instead of going into a depressed state or even worse, PTSD. And and, and it all starts with asking yourself bad questions. You know, the, the more things like, why did this always happen to me? And all of a sudden, things get chunked in your body so deeply, you can't get out of it. All of a sudden, you go into a depressed state. But PTGS is something just different. And how I came about to meet Jared was, you know, I got called, asked to do an interview with AARP Magazine. And candidly, I didn't know why AARP wanted to interview me. I knew nothing about AARP, but candidly, I thought I was too young for it anyway. I mean, it's for old people, right? You know, share with me, they understood that I helped at that point the American Red Cross raise over $8 million. This is about four years ago now. Uh, and they wanted to understand the strategies I used because some other people from the plane and so many other people who've gone through like the hurricanes and earthquakes and things go into really depressed state. So I shared the strategies on how I did this. And all of a sudden, they shared this term PTGS. And that's why I did a TED Talk on it. Listen to me. Everybody in life is going to have that personal plane crash moment. Something's going to happen, and you're going to have to face it. And if you're not prepared, you don't have the humility to prepare. You won't have the confidence to execute. 
Nate, thanks so much for your time here on the podcast. We appreciate you coming on. And where can we steer more traffic your way so that they can pick up the book, learn more about you and what you're doing, and just get uh, updates on anything, the success you have going forward? Well, I appreciate that, Jared. If they go to my website at davesandersonspeaks.com, they they can get pretty much any information about that. They have access. They can see my book, Moments Matter. But like I mentioned, we're... uh, Next week, we're uh, rolling out our new course, Cultivating Personal Leadership, and that's where I'm really excited about likewise. And they, you know, if I would offer if anybody goes on and hears this and wants to get that next week, they'll, uh, we'll be more than happy to offer them a 25% discount for just saying the, the Success 101 podcast, and we'll make sure that they get this discount. They can have access to some of these skill sets so they're prepared so when they face that moment in time, they have some options and ways to develop the mindset to overcome and thrive. Thanks so much, Dave, for your time here today. We appreciate your time here on the Success 101 podcast and wish you the best as you move forward in your endeavors of helping so many people. And I think little do we know how our life's going to unfold, but everything that you've done has prepared you for this moment to this moment to this moment and new stuff that you're working on. You're right. Whenever you first said it, I thought it was PTSD, but it's a totally different avenue there. That is tremendous. And that's going to help so many people. So we wish you the best and look forward to your continued success. Thank you, Jared. Thank you for having me today. Guys, I love Dave's message today about leadership and how moments really matter. What are you doing today to prepare for those moments that are going to come in your life? And will you be ready? Again, if you'd like to connect directly with me, shoot my team an email to info at success101podcast.com. And I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode. Until then. Until then.